Hey everybody, this is Round 6 MMA Talk, the fight after the fight, with me, your boy, Noah Petrie. I know, I know what you're thinking, another MMA podcast. I know, there's a lot of us out there, but if you like bold, unapologetic hot takes, a detailed, broken down view of the fight game, and of course, stomach-hurting comedy, well, come to the right place. What's going on? It is episode 18 of Round 6 MMA Talk, the fight after the fight with me, your boy Noah Petrie. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to go out just gunslinging and just admit that uh, I made a huge blunder. So I thought that the Gone versus Taitui Vasa card was going to be this week well last weekend last saturday and apparently it wasn't man i was so disappointed here's what i did last saturday right so i'm there i woke up i biked for a few miles up and down the uh the west side piers in new york city if you know where it is i went all the way from soho it's like 110th and right back down again afterwards i did some kayaking so i was sitting there you know ass in the water and the hudson murky as shit just doing some kayaking now everything was cloudy and then you had like an opening from the sky and the light was shining through which is beautiful as fuck and it was shining right on us i didn't have my cell phone at the time so i can't take pictures i wish i did but then again i didn't want to drop my my phone in the hudson and never see it again so i'm like fuck it, i'm not gonna do that but i get home that day and i'm pumped and i know that since it's a france card it's a european card that's gonna start earlier so i just i'm able to skip all the commercials now but then I go on ESPN Plus, which is a fucking terrible app, but I'm not going to go over that. So again, on ESPN Plus, right? I'm on ESPN Plus. And then I just see a bunch of baseball. I'm like, yo, what the fuck is this? I don't give a fuck about baseball. Baseball could suck me sideways softly. Like, I don't give a shit about baseball. And then I check um, the fight night schedule for the UFC. And then I realize it's not this week. It is next week, September 3rd. So I just covered uh, my predictions last week for no reason. So there's a, a blunder there. So uh, listen, we all make mistakes. We all fuck up sometimes. We all do some dumb shit. So I got to own up to this one. So I'm just going to be going over my picks again, which honestly is not going to change. But I'm going to be going over that as well for this podcast. And of course, I'm going to be talking about um, 1FC on Prime Video 1, Marais against Johnson 2, so I'm going to be going over that. Now, I'm not going to be going over every single fight on the card, because most of the fighters on the card, honestly, quite frankly, I don't know. I'm just starting to watch 1FC these past, you know, year and a half, two years, so I'm not really too familiar with all the fighters. Eventually, I'll be able to cover all of it thoroughly, so I'm just going to be going over the main two fights, in my opinion, which were MMA fights, in my opinion, which were... Bouchesh against Grosenko, and of course, Marias against Johnson too. Now, before we even get into the MMA fights, I want to do some noteworthy mentions. Dude, the Muay Thai fights in this car were off the fucking hook, man. They were off the hook. Seriously. And it sucks because a lot of casual MMA fans, right, if they see uh, a fight card that has, for instance, I don't know how well the 1FC is going to be able to sell grappling matches, um, Muay Thai matches, and, and uh, kickboxing matches, and, and MMA matches all in one card. I don't know how well they're going to be able to sell that to the casual viewing experience of the American audience. 
Um, grappling, dude. There's no way American Ours is, is watching grappling matches. I'm excited for the grappling matches. There's one coming up soon. I think it's going to be really cool. I like how they added that factor and have a championship for that too. I think it's going to be super dope. So I want to see that. Um, now, I don't know how well American audience is going to like it. Honestly, American audience complain when there's grappling and MMA fights as it is. But I do think the American audience can get into Muay Thai and kickboxing because there's no grappling there at all. It's just two people just throwing down kicks and punches and the, and the occasional you know, foot sweeps and that kind of stuff. So I had a blast watching those fights. I can't really cover the Muay Thai fights because I don't know that much about Muay Thai. I know the rule set. I know, you know, uh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not an expert in it, so me covering it is not going to do it justice, to be honest with you. So, unfortunately, I'm going to skip over it. But, dude, it was fucking entertaining, man. The non fight was very entertaining, and the other fight was very entertaining. I, but I'm just not going to cover it. The one thing that shocked me was, dude, how many times these Muay Thai fighters fight? Dude. Dude, some of, a lot of them are like 240 with 40 losses. Which is fucking insane. And they've been fighting since they were kids professionally. Like, dude, it's insane. It's insane, insane, insane how many Muay Thai fights that they had under their belt. Um, the CT and that sport is probably off the charts. But, dude, it, it's definitely entertaining to watch. And I do uh, I do recommend everyone to watch the Muay Thai fights. If, there are, if they are going to watch it, the 1FC cards because one it's added to it so why not it's not something you're going to see every day and honestly it's entertaining man it, it, it's a it's pretty fresh that you know you can have for instance two mma fights and maybe they're not necessarily that exciting and then you have something fresh like a muay thai fight right after it or a grappling match right after it so it's constantly keeping your attention in that regard i like it i personally like the theatrics that one fc has you know the bell ringing at the end of the fight or um, when someone wins a championship, the confetti and all that kind of shit, I think is really cool, but it's something completely different from Bellator or for, or the UFC, of course. So I like it, man. I think it's, it, I think it was a great product. Now, the one thing before I get into it that I have to shit on is one FC. Normally you can watch all their fights on their website directly you don't even have to go through the entire fight card you can just watch the individual fights which is beautiful i fucking love that and the playback everything is good there's never any issues i love it now since it's on on prime video for the first time they made the deal with amazon you can't watch it on the website you have to do it through prime now that's what i tried the first time it worked perfectly fine now i always try to rewatch the fights a second time because the first time I watch it, most of the time I'm tipsy or drunk, to be honest with you. I'm just it's just me casually watching it. The first time I'm watching it is just me casual viewership. I just want to see the fights. Second time the second time around, I'm analytically watching it. So I'm trying to pick up little bits and pieces of things. And really try to analytically break down a fight, what one fighter is doing, what the other fighter is doing, etc. 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 Now, I couldn't watch it this second time around. When I tried watching it, when I tried putting it on. I was able to fast forward. Then all of a sudden, when I pressed play, it booted me out. It like completely exited out. Turn off the my TV, did it again, went to prime. Then it says the error in the playback. Turn it off, turn it back again. It booted me out again. Turn it off, turn it back again. It booted me out again. So this is four times now. So I just wasted an hour of my life trying to watch this fucking fight for a second time when in reality I didn't see anything. And it was the only option for you to view that fight too. 
I can't watch it on what the onefc.com. I can't watch it anywhere else. I have to just watch it through Prime Video, which is not fucking working. So uh, Prime always has a good selection of movies and shit, but as far as like fast forwarding, rewinding, and playback and all that shit, it's always a fucking nightmare. So Jeff Bezos, please work on that at least. Stop trying to focus on fucking getting us a space. Every fucking billionaire wants to go to space now for what? So, so freaking save this fucking planet. But, um, yeah, so I'm literally basing off my memory from these last, the fight card that I watched that I was tipsy for. So, let's see how it goes. Um, the first fight is, of course, Bushesha Gishkoshenko. Now, Bushesha is, if you're going to watch 1FC, dude, definitely have a keen eye out for this guy. He's in the heavyweight division. Very athletic. Most importantly, is his BJJ background. Dude, he is as legit as it comes in regards to BJJ. I think as far as like titles and championships go in that sphere, he won right around 17. And when it comes to overall medals, more than twice that. The dude is as accomplished in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as it gets. He's only a first-degree black belt, which I find pretty shocking. The fact that he's able to get all these accolades and only be a first-degree black belt, it's pretty fucking shocking. But again, man, dude, he, he's as legit as it comes in regards to BJJ. Now, in this fight, I would have loved to see him strike a little bit more. His wrestling seems pretty good. His BJJ is obviously off the chart. He's a very athletic guy. I would have liked to see a striking because typically BJJ guys don't have the best striking going into MMA because it's something that they literally did not focus on the entire lives. So they're kind of learning that on the fly on the job. But he never gave Grishenko the chance. He shot for a double leg takedown, which he got and go and went straight into a heel hook, which is fucking phenomenal. The fact that you can go for a double leg takedown and shoot and shoot straight into a heel hook is crazy. And on top of that, once he got the heel hook, he rotated to the left to further sink it in. Because most people, when they get the heel hook, they just stay in that stationary position on their back and just start cranking. He, on the other hand, completely rotated to the left, which made it even more discomfortable for Groshenko. And he won the fight in, you know, a couple of seconds. I didn't want to say under a minute, somewhere around there. So, dude, he's a real deal. He's a real deal. He doesn't have much MMA experience. I think he's 5-1 right now, or 5-0, one or the other. Um, so I would love to see him start getting some more experience. But in regards to the, the talent pool and heavyweight in 1FC, I don't think it's that deep, man. So as far as what's next for Bushesha, I think you can either... Well, he can't fight for the belt right now because Bular is currently out, which I can just sit there and badmouth Bular all day. He's 1FC's current champion. He basically won the belt against an old-ass Brandon Vera and said, I'm retiring. I mean, not necessarily that I'm retiring, that I'm going to AEW or WWE. Um, and, dude, you still have fights in your contract. You're a champion now. Like You can't just sit there, win the belt, and expect to be released from your contract. So now he's in contract disputes for the past almost two years now with 1FC, and the division can't fucking move forward. So that's why I, I have disdain for the guy for that fact. But the interim champion, Malarkin, Malakin, something along those lines. You can have Bouchesha against him for the interim belt or just strip Bular and just have those two fight for the heavyweight belt. Either way, Bouchesha is a name you should definitely look out for. And he's, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes it to UFC one day.
somewhat fairly soon. Then, of course, we have the main event against Johnson against Marais. And honestly, I did not expect this fight to go this way whatsoever, man. Whatsoever. I did not expect it. And the reason why I did expect it, because when you look at the first fight, right? The first fight only lasted two rounds. Of course, we all know Johnson got knocked out. Um, Marais knocked him down with a right hand and then was able to put him away with a knee on the ground, which knees to a downed opponent in 1FC is legal. I do think that should be illegal in all of MMA, but unfortunately, it's never going to happen in the American rule set. So he was able to knock Johnson out. But when you look at the sequence of events that happened prior to that, that's the reason why I wasn't sure that Johnson was going to be able to pull this one off. And the reason why I say that is because one, he's up there in age, he's past his prime. That was two years ago, and now it's two years fast forward. So he's even older now. He was already past his prime at that point. Now he's even more past his prime. So that played that was gonna play a factor, I believed. Then on top of that, he's a pressure fighter. And Marais lays a lot of traps. So he's good at never doing you no know, lateral movement. He's always circling the cage, always circling the cage. He's always trying to lay traps in his opponent. Which in that first fight that first round, Johnson was getting frustrated, man. He wasn't able to land any significant offense. He wasn't able to effectively close the distance. He wasn't able to land any takedowns again to the clinch, which is a huge part in Demetrius Johnson's game. On top of that, Marais is huge for the fucking division. Dude, when you look at them, you it looks like they're in two completely different weight classes. It looks like Marais is a 145er and it looks like Johnson's a 125er. So you had that aspect to it all. And I just didn't see a I just I didn't see a clear path to victory for Johnson to win this fight. In that first round, Marais did get a takedown. Even though he got the takedown, I would say Johnson won the round. Because Marais got the takedown, but didn't do anything with the takedown. Yeah, he was advancing position, but he wasn't landing any significant ground and pound and wasn't threatening with submission at all. Which another factor that I thought, um, Marais had the upper hand in which Demetrius Johnson's ground game is very good. But when you look at all the fights in Marais's career, a lot of them is by submission. So his ground game is formidable. So that's another reason why I didn't think Johnson could pull the victory that he did. But either way, Marais was able to get Johnson to the ground, hold him on the ground, but didn't do anything with the position. Just laid in that position, which doesn't win you rounds anymore in current MMA. You know, back 15 years ago, maybe, but current MMA, no, that's not going to fly anymore. Johnson was constantly threatened with submissions and landing offense of his own and punches and elbows on the ground. So I gave that round to Johnson. Now, the second round, second round was clearly Marais. Marais rocked him with a left head kick, dropped Johnson. He was laying some vicious knees on the ground, which honestly, you know, some reps would have stopped the fight at that point. Johnson was able to recover, get into the clinch, and I, I definitely it's Marais's round. He rocked his opponent. He he hurt Johnson very bad. Johnson was able to recover, which dude, I was shocked at and impressed by that as well. But it's definitely that round goes Johnson. So it's one one going to the third. The third round is where things took a turn. So that third round. Demetrius Johnson is landing some very good offense, man. Marais looked tired in that round. Marais noticeably looked tired in that round. He wasn't, he was, I wouldn't say he was stagnant, but he wasn't having his typical movements, constantly circling the cage and never letting 
Johnson get his back against the cage. And on top of that, he was getting tagged, man. He was getting hit with some big right hands in that round, which is foreshadowing how the fight-ending sequence happened later in, in the round after that. But, dude, he was getting hit with some big right hands in that round. I was saying to myself as watching this, first of all, I was hyped because my boy was winning. And on top of that, I'm like, dude, if Johnson had a little more power in his punches, he could have probably put Marais away that third round. Because Johnson landed some very good offense, especially those overhand rights just constantly landing back and forth, back and forth in that round. Johnson looked good, was able to, to, to effectively utilize the clinch as well. That round, clearly Johnson's. Now, going into the fourth, Marais, I believe, lands... I mean, he doesn't land. He throws a left hook. Again, I'm I'm trying to, t- to tune into my tipsy memory right now. So I think that I believe Marias threw a left hook, which Johnson rolled under, cracked him with a right hand, which drops Marias. I think he was knocked out while the after the punch was thrown. So I think after the right hand landed, I think he was already out, has his back against the cage. Fucking Demetrius Johnson lands a vicious ass knee, which just is completely ironic because he got knocked out with a knee and got his literally gets his revenge and knocks his it knocks Marais out with a knee, so knocks him out. The fight's over. I was shocked, man. I was completely, completely, completely shocked. His game plan going into this fight was fucking flawless, dude. It was flawless, man. It, it looked like old DJ. I didn't think he was going to be able to pull this one off. When he did, dude, I was smiling ear to ear, cheering. I was fucking hyped. When I saw the confetti coming down, that was fucking... Dude, I, I was I was hyped, man. It, it was such a a joy watching that fight. I would have wished I could watch it a second time just to see how everything played out again. But, dude, the MMA community was shocked. Not just me, all of the MMA community was definitely shocked. And it, it was pretty surprising because he... Uh, Demetrius Johnson was a little cocky coming into this fight, man. When you look at the the pre-fight, you know, uh, videos and that kind of shit, he had a, a chip on his shoulder coming into this fight. So I do think they should run it back. Marais wants to run it back. I don't think... <sighs> I think it'll be close again, but I think Johnson just has the upper hand, man. I think Johnson has the upper hand. Upper hand. I would say run it back... Johnson wins a second time, then fuck you, retire, bro. You got nothing left to prove, dog. You have nothing left to prove. You're one of the greats. Now, I don't like that 1FC is just calling him the GOAT. Like, it's just constantly calling him the GOAT. I don't like that. He's not the GOAT. Sorry. He's one of the top five greatest fires of all time. To me, my personal opinion, the top five greatest fires of all time is John Jones, GSP, Harrison Silva, Khabib, and Demetrius Johnson. I would have Demetrius Johnson over Khabib. But is he the GOAT? No. Is he one of the greatest? Yes. Is he the GOAT? No. Not by any means. So I don't like that 1FC is constantly calling him the GOAT. But then again, they're trying to boost up their product and boost up their fighter. Um, But I don't think there's anything left for 1FC for Johnson at this point. You can, you know, defend that bell against Mariah a second time. Maybe go to 135 and try your luck there. But... He accomplished all there is to accomplish in this sport, to be honest with you. And it's a goddamn shame because the American audience didn't, they never gave him any love, man. You know, the, the UFC always shitted on him too, saying that he's not a draw. Everyone always talked about he's not a draw. He doesn't make the promotion money when he was on this super long win streak and didn't just appreciate him for what he was. And it sucks because as soon as he left 
125, that's when it starts to become popular. So it's just, it is unfortunate to see, but it's good to see that his, uh, he's having a good career outside of the UFC. Now I want to get into MMA news slash drama. We have a lot of it this week, guys. The lack of what we have going over fights, we more than make up make up for it in regards to the MMA news slash drama. Now, first up is Wonderboy turns down the Rachmana fight, says that he wants to fight a striker. So he just fought a grappler, doesn't want to fight a grappler. He wants to fight a striker. And honestly, dude, I don't blame him, man. I really don't blame him because he's in the twilight stage of his career. The UFC just wants to feed him to a grappler because they want to build Rachmanov's name more. He knows it. He's not dumb. He's like, fuck this. I'm going to fight a striker or fight someone who motivates me. I think Wonderboy should fight someone like a Masvidal, have him run that back, even though it's not going to happen because Masvidal's a, a pseudo-star now, and he's only going to want to fight big fights, and the Wonderboy is not a big fight for him, and that's honestly a very bad fight for him too, stylistically, the same way it was the first time around. So um, I 100% I, I agree with Wonderboy. I think he should fight a striker. Fuck, the, you know, fuck trying to fight another grappler, dude. Try to get the, the most out of your what you have remaining in your career. Then we have Kayla Harrison declaring herself the queen of MMA. And, dude, I understand this is a gimmick. This is satire. She's taking, you know, the pro wrestling route, trying to be a heel, and trying to, like, you know, build up her brand and, you know, and, you know, build herself up and that kind of shit. But here's the thing, dude. Is she the queen of MMA? No. Does anyone take that seriously? No. The reason why no one takes it seriously is because what have you done? Realistically, look at her her resume. What have you done? You haven't done anything. And I'm not trying to be a dick. Like obviously she's done more than me. She won the PFO, you know, she's PFO champion, but but what have you done? You haven't fought anyone noteworthy. You haven't fought anyone in the same level who deserves to be in the, the freaking whatever cage, the smart cage with you. I don't know why the fuck they call it smart. But you haven't fought anyone who deserves to share that cage of you. Um, you haven't fought any of the big names. You're fighting in a low-tier promotion. I would say it's probably ranked number fifth. You have the UFC, Bellator, 1FC, and Rising Above PFL. Um you fight in a division that really shouldn't even be a division of one, women's 155. There's really no one over there. Um, and, of course, I know she probably wants to lead the PFL. She re-signed with them. And regarding contracts and switching over and going to different promotions is a lot harder said than done. So, I, I, But at the end of the day, dude, you haven't done anything. You really haven't. You haven't fought anyone noteworthy. So... No one's obviously no one is taking this seriously. I'm not taking it seriously either. And I've said this before in the podcast multiple times. I don't give a fuck about Kayla Harrison's career. I don't. I don't care about her career. I don't care about seeing her fight. I don't care about who she's fighting. I don't care how many times she fights a year or who she beats. If you're not fighting the best in the world and you're just fighting a bunch of random fucks, I don't care, dude. I really don't. I don't care how dominant you are and who you're fighting when you're not fighting anyone noteworthy or how you were two-time, you know, Olympic champion, whatever the case may be. Like, what are you, what are you doing now? Who are you fighting now? And that, that's all that comes down to. And unfortunately, and I know she would want to fight higher level competitions. Not that she's, she's running from that competition. I know she would welcome it. 
But unfortunately, with the promotions that she's in, she's not going to be able to fight the upper, upper, the upper echelon of uh, women's MMA. But I, I, I can't take your career seriously or even be bothered to follow your career when you're not fighting anyone noteworthy. Then we have Cho Sun that says he doesn't see the point of Ferguson against Jing Liang. As we know, Ferguson will be fighting at 170 against Lee Jing Liang. He was like, dude, he said that he's not trying to be a dick, but he, does, he doesn't see the point of this fight. And I agree. I 100% agree. I think this fight is dumb. I think this fight is dumb for everyone involved, man. I mean, of course, not Lee Jing Liang because he's fighting someone who is at their prime, who is just coming off a knockout, and who's going to 170 when their frame is not you know, someone who is going to be a very small 170-er. So for him, you're for Lee Jing Leong, dude, he's fucking, he's nutting right now. He's happy. He's happy. It's ever-loving shit. He's getting a big name, which, you know, is, is probably going to be easy outing for him. But for Tony Ferguson, it's like, why are you doing this, bro? Like, why are you going to 170 when your body's just not built for 170? It's probably because he doesn't want to cut the weight anymore because he's older in age. But, like, dude, 170, though, that's it's a different animal. You just got knocked out at 155. A vicious knockout at 155. It doesn't make any sense, man. It really doesn't make any sense. I wish someone in, to- in Tony's corner would talk him out of this or, you know, Sean Shelby to USC would tell him he should stick to 155. But, honestly, man, I just think Tony should retire or have fun fights against people like, Jim Miller and shit like that, or Welcome Back Connor or something like that. But the fight, you know, the people who are actually trying to, you know, potentially fight for a belt one day in that in a division that's bigger than what you should be, doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense. Then we have Volkanovski warns Patty that these extreme weight cuts are terrible for you and how it's eventually going to catch up. And dude, it's funny because everyone is telling Patty this. Everyone is telling Patty, yo, these weight cuts that you're doing, like, you should stop doing it, man. You shouldn't be ballooning to 200 pounds and cutting 50 pounds in fucking six weeks and doing that constantly. Like, it, I, I get it that you're young and you probably weren't cutting weight your entire life. A lot of wrestlers are cutting weight their entire lives. BJJ guys are they're cutting weight their entire lives, especially if they're competing. But, you know, if you're young and... You think you can do it, and you know he 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 can do it. He hasn't missed weight yet, but dude, you're just ruining your body. It's one of those things where it's it's long term thinking, and he's not doing long term thinking. He's doing short term thinking. His mindset is: I'm young, I'm able to do it. Fuck it, I'm gonna eat what I want, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cut the weight. I'm just gonna make my body suffer. And you can only do it so much, man. You can only do it so much. It may be cool to do in your twenties, but eventually, when you're in your thirties. You're not going to be able to do that shit. And you're just going to fuck your body up. But he's going to have to learn that lesson the hard way. Then we have Luke Rockhold saying that Dana White controls the narrative and didn't give him a chance. He said that Dana White didn't give him a chance in this fight coming into it. And how Dana completely controls the narrative. And basically whatever he says to the media, they eat it up. Which is true. It's true to a degree. I'm not going to lie to you. It is true. Dana White does control the narrative. But then again... It's hard. It, 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 it's 50 50 because Dana White controls the narrative. And also, dude, we're looking at your track record here in your last, you know, three, four fights. 
In your last three, four fights, you got fucking knocked the fuck out. So it's like, yeah, Dana White controls the narrative and everyone was counting you out. But everyone was counting you out, rightfully so, because you're coming off of three knockout losses. Like, everyone is debating if your chin can even hold up anymore. And most people counted your chin out completely. And most people counted you out completely and thought, you know, um, that Paulo Costa is going to get a TKO victory, including me. I bet money that, that Costa will get a TKO victory. And what does he do? He fucking disappoints me. When he could have. He damn well could have, but he fucking squandered it. And his stock went down and your stock went up, even though you retired. But, yeah, Dana White does control the narrative. But then again, half the blame is on you because we're not we're expecting you to get knocked the fuck out. Because, dude, that was the case for the last three fights going into this one. And that's why it was such a shocker that the fight turned out the way it was. So, I understand where he's coming from here. But then again, I do think some fault lies on... The, how Luke Rocco's career was coming up until this point. Then we have Masvidal is blasting DC for suggesting that Leon Edwards refuse to fight him. So, of course, all of you may know Masvidal's on Twitter and Instagram and every other social media outlet basically saying, talking shit to Leon Edwards and how they should fight and because he fucking sucker punched him, which is such a fucking bitch move. I'm sorry that he sucker punched him and they should fight and all the other bullshit. Here's the thing, dude. I don't want to see that fight whatsoever. Leon Edwards would do terrible things to Masvidal. That fight should have happened three years ago when the sucker punch happened. As to why it didn't happen, I have no fucking clue. No clue. No clue. I think Edwards turned it down. I think Masvidal turned it down. And they kept going back and forth. But listen, it just passed the point already. No one gives a shit that you sucker punched a dude. Like, it's a bitch move. And we're beyond that. And on top of that, you're coming off of three losses. So no one wants to see you fight. Like no uh, People want to see you fight, but no one wants to see you fight for a belt. I don't want to see you fight for a belt. You don't deserve a belt. You don't deserve to be fighting for a belt. So I, I don't care. Like, no one wants to see that shit. And DC was right for, to tell Leon Edwards to refuse that, that title shot because, dude, like, why are we doing this? Like, you don't deserve it. You know, and he was basically Maswell saying that DC's a has been and that kind of stuff. DC's like, bro, I'm a has been, but I'm a two time champion, which is more you ever be, which is 100% correct. Maswell will never be a UFC champion ever. Mark my words, never be a UFC champion. I think everyone in the community also agrees with this. So I, I, I'm 100% with, uh, with DC here. I don't think Leon should take that fight. I doubt if USC would even make that fight, and I really hope they shouldn't. The fight should be Edwards against Kamaru Usman 3. That's the fight to make. At the end of the day, that's the fight to make. That's the money fight in the division right now. Anyway, so I agree with DC here. Then you have Shab declaring Bisman is the Rosa Parks of British MMA. Here's the thing, right? Everyone likes to shit on Shab because he says a lot of dumb shit. Which is true. He says a lot of dumb shit. Is this an example of him saying dumb shit? Absolutely. This is dumb. This is extremely dumb. I don't agree with this. This is pretty dumb. But I can kind of... They took it out of context, right? They really are just taking it out of context. Because when you listen to this podcast and you listen to the clip and he's saying that basically without Michael Bisping there wouldn't be any British MMA... 
He was the first one to come up in the British MMA scene. He was the first ever British MMA champion. He was, you know, the forerunner. Um, he built what British MMA is today, which is true, 100%. It's all old to Michael Bisping, to be honest with you. And he was saying in regards to, like, Rosa Parks, that Rosa Parks had to sit in the back of a bus and that kind of stuff and, you know, to, to have that forecoming change, which I guess, I guess you can, you can, you can make the comparison between the two. I wouldn't, to be honest with you. I don't think that's the best comparison you can come up with, but I can see where he's coming from. I can see where he's coming from here. I really can. Do I agree with it? I agree with Bisping being, you know, the forerunner of British MMA. I do agree with that, but would I make the comparison that he's Rosa Parks? Probably not, but again, I see where he's coming from. It's just not the best comparison, sort of say. But we all do dumb shit. We all say dumb shit. We all say shit that in hindsight we probably shouldn't have said. So I'm really not going to put it past him, to be honest with you, even though he kind of does this often. Now we have DC questions the purpose of Shemaya and Nate Diaz. He just says that it's just another scout for Shemaya to have on his resume. And DC is the kind of guy just to always go with the brand, always go with the UFC, just ride wherever the UFC narrative is, to be honest with you. That's typically what he tends to do. So the fact that he's saying this right now is kind of a shocker to me. And dude, we all agree, this is a bullshit fight. They're just trying to fuck Nate Diaz right now. This is literally the UFC saying fuck you to Nate Diaz and making Hamza a bigger name than he already is. So it's doing both. It's them saying fuck you to Nate and them making Hamza a bigger name than what he is. It's a little bit of both. And is this a dumb fight, dude? This is 100% a dumb fight. Am I going to still watch it? Unfortunately, I am going to still watch it. Does it deserve to be a pay-per-view? Absolutely fucking not. This does not need to be five rounds. It does not need to be a pay-per-view. It does not need to be headlining. This is a dumb fight. It is. 100% dumb. But it is what it is, man. I just hope that Nate Diaz gets paid ransomly for this fight, but I fucking doubt it. Then we have Rampage Jackson saying that he will fight again and that he can't leave the MMA fans like that. Rampage, my mans, you were one of my favorite fighters growing up. You can leave us, bro. Like, we're good. We're good without you, homie. We're good, bro. We don't need you anymore. And I'm not trying to be a dick, but the game just passed him on, man. He had his time in the sun. He was a former UFC champion. He had his time. The time's passed. It is what it is. When you look at Rampage, towards the later ends of his career, who's fighting a heavyweight, and the man just had a gut, bro. The man literally looked pregnant in the Bellator ring. Just... He didn't look like he cared about his shape at all, which it's clear that he didn't. It really is clear that he didn't. So maybe you can welcome, you can have him fight like Fedor or some old fuck too, but, or like a Leoto Machida, but dude, just leave us, man. Like you had your time, MMA has moved on without you. It is what it is. Let's just, let's just continue on and go forward, go forward. Then we have Connor posting a video of him on IG on his Lamborghini yacht. And it's clear to see that he's getting head from his fiance, Dee Devlin, in the video. She's sucking that thing. <sighs> Bro, I hate Connor, man. I really do. Like, why would you do that? Why would you de degrade your fiance like that? 
you might think it's cool, you know, that you're posting a video, you and ya, and you're getting sucked off, but like, bro, you might think it's cool that you're getting head on, on a Lamborghini yacht and, you know, and you think, but it's, it's like, one, it's not like she's a common whore. That's your fiance. So you should at least show her some respect. And on top of that, bro, when does it end, man? Because you, he's constantly degrading her. If we really want to talk about it, he's constantly degrading her. How many times is Connor having sexual harassment charges? How many times do we see Connor, you know, being with other women and pictures and a whole video of the dude asleep and some whore, and some freaking, you know, escort is with him and a bunch of other shit. Like, bro, how many times are you going to fucking sit there and degrade her? And a lot of people say, oh, you know, she can leave and that kind of stuff. Yeah, she can. I bet she can. But the thing is, one, she has kids of them. She has multiple kids of them. And two... It's clear that she still loves the dude because when you look at it, Connor, it's only where Connor is today because of her. And the reason why I say that, which is this is a known thing, back when you know Connor was coming up in MMA and didn't have any money at all, she was the one that was supporting them. She was paying all the bills and she was paying for him to train. So they wouldn't be a Connor McGregor without her. They wouldn't be, you know superstar conor mcgregor meteor 2016 rise without d it, it wouldn't happen so if she wanted to leave and take half she deserves half and i'm very hesitant to say when a woman deserves half in a divorce or anything or in a split or anything like that very 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 hesitant but in this case if she fucking supported you through all of it and she wants to leave i think she deserves half man i really do so to sit there and constantly just degrade her left and right it's not cool man I, i'm tired of seeing it and that's why i'm just not a fan of conor mcgregor one he was always overrated fighting wise i'm not gonna get into that and two dude is a fucking dick he's just a prick honestly he's just a dick I, I i and just this shouldn't be you know you shouldn't look at it as a guy and think oh this is so cool and that kind of stuff you should look at it and just be like bro this dude fucking sucks which clearly he fucking does then, this is not necessarily news, but it was a question that was posted from MMA Junkie or MMA on point, one or the other. And they were asking, was trading Demetrius Johnson, Mighty Mouse Johnson, for Ben Askren a good trade or bad trade for the UFC? And I think this is not necessarily fair when you look at it in hindsight. When you look at it in hindsight, what the, what, what the, uh, what 1FC got was, Demetrius Johnson, one of the, greatest, the top five greatest fighters to ever live. He goes on. He wins the tournament at 1FC. Yeah, he loses against a champion, but he gets the revenge and wins the belt. So you have a fighter who is considered one of the greatest ever, going over to promotion, winning the belt, and just giving you more fan experience and fan exposure for the American market. So they won in that aspect. Now, in the UFC's case, we got Ben Askren, who was already retired up until that point. But the reason why people wanted to see Ben Askren was because he was a 1FC champion, he was a Bellator champion, he was always regarded as the one fighter that was the best outside of the UFC, and they always wanted to see how a fight between Ben Askren and GSP would have went. I think GSP would have won, not going to get into that. But we got an old Ben Askren who had a bad hip, who was already tired, retired for like two years. 
So even though he was a good trash talker and, you know, we can we can build him up and hype him up in that way. So when you look at the trade that happened in the first place, it wasn't necessarily a bad trade because at 125 was a dead division which they thought about getting rid of it in general. Demetrius Johnson wasn't making the UFC any money. The division was dead. They were thinking about getting rid of it, literally thinking about getting rid of it. And they traded for someone who can still be competitive in 170, who is a good trash talker, and who has you know, accolades winning a belt in Bellator, winning a belt in 1FC, and never losing. So when you look at it from that aspect, when the trade happened, it wasn't a bad trade. I think it was a win-win in both sides. It really was. He, trust me, Dana White wouldn't have made the trade if he didn't think it was a win. I think both 1FC and uh, UFC at the time when a trade occurred was a win-win. Now, of course, looking how everything progressed, was it a bad trade? Uh, I'm not going to say no, to be honest with you. I'm not going to say no. Now, Ben Askren's career didn't turn out the way we expected it to or we have hoped to. Um, But even though Ben Askren's career didn't turn out that great, one, he did put on a good showing as Robbie Lawler, and two, he created the Masvidal stardom. If if it wasn't for Ben Askren coming into the UFC, Masvidal wouldn't have been a huge star. That knockout against Ben Askren is what created Masvidal, what, you know, what shot him up into the hemisphere of, you know, fucking UFC stardom. So, if it was for Ben Ashton coming over, we wouldn't have the star in, Man- ben a- in Masvidal. We wouldn't have the two, three big fights that Masvidal had and, you know, selling that entire market and selling those pay-per-views and all that kind of stuff. If Ashton had come over, Masvidal would have never been a star. So, that being said, do I think it was a bad trade? No. Do I think the UFC got, in hindsight, the, the you know... Do I think the UFC got the receiving end of the deal in hindsight? Yeah, I would say they did. But I'm not going to say necessarily that it was a bad trade. When even though the circumstances wasn't favorable and didn't turn out the way UFC expected, they they did create another star, would sell a lot of pay-per-views, and they got rid of someone who honestly they just weren't happy with to begin with. And it sucks because if they would have held on to DJ a little bit more, it would have spiced up 125. But then again, if DJ was to stay at 125, I think he would have won the belt again. And 125 probably wouldn't be as popular as right now. So at the end of the day, I don't think it necessarily was a bad trade. Now I want to get to the Petri predictions of this podcast. And of course, I'm going to be going over what I went over last week, Petri predictions wise, which is... The Gone versus Taitouivasa card is going to be happening in Paris, France this Saturday. And my picks stay the same. I'm going to be honest with you. My picks stay the same. I think Gone's going to be Tuivasa. Gone is just the best striker in heavyweight right now. There's really now, there's not, there's not anyone who could touch him in that department. Now, of course, when it comes to heavyweights, one punch can end it all. Literally one punch can end it all. Gone is not necessarily known for his punching power. Tai Tuivasa is. I think the only way Tai is going to be able to beat Gone in this fight is that 
if he gets to a clinch position, the same way he did against Derek Lewis, lands a big elbow or some, or something along those lines. I think that's the only way he's going to be able to beat Gone. But if that's not the case, I don't think he's beating Gone. And Taito Vasa doesn't have the wrestling acumen to take Gone to the ground or or grapple with Gone. So I think Gone's going to win this one. Then we has we have Whitaker against Vittori. And honestly, this is the most exciting fight on this card. I, 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 I'm giving it to Whitaker because I think everything that Vittori can do, Whitaker can do better. I think Whitaker is overall a better striker. I think Whitaker has better fight IQ. Vittori has very good fight IQ, especially that he's very young in his career still. Um, but I think Whitaker has better fight IQ. I think Whitaker has better takedown defense and takedown offense than Vittori. I don't think Vittori is going to be able to take Whitaker to the ground. I think that overall is going to be a, a, a good fight, a fairly close fight. Um, I don't think Whitaker is going to blow him out of the water per se, but I do think that Whitaker will win the fight 50-46 or 50-47. I see Whitaker winning three to four rounds of the fight. I don't think he's going to win all five, but I think he'll win three to four. Now, this goes episode 18 of R6 MMA Talk to fight after the fight. Of course, this drops every single Tuesday at 7 a.m., so watch out for that one, guys. And I'll be talking to you guys next week. Bye. <music>